I was watching a movie the other day, a couple weeks ago, somewhere in there, and it seems they were using the Lord's Prayer as some kind of a talisman or, or as an actual prayer um, in, in the heat of a moment. So the Lord's Prayer, as we call it, it's not a prayer. The Lord's Prayer is a model for us to use. It's a uh, formula. It's an outline. Just as when you write a letter, you open with a greeting, then some kind words, and you get to the subject that is at the heart of the matter, then a closing statement, and then the sign-off. And that's what this is. Basically, when you open the, uh, the, the, when you open Microsoft Word, you open it up and it gives you templates. And that template then is a, uh, the basis of a letter that you can use and put in your own information, but you're using that template. And that's basically what the Lord's Prayer is, is just a template. Now, once you get past the realization that it's just a template, it might also occur to you that we don't teach this prayer, and I don't mean this prayer, I mean we don't teach prayer often enough. In fact, prayer remains one of the least talked about subjects. And I don't mean that we need to pray. I don't mean uh, that this person or that person pray. I mean how to pray or personal prayer is not taught, taught very often at all. When we go to church, if you think about it, when we go to church, the lay person walks in, they sit down in the pew, somebody stands, they open in prayer. The lay person closes their eyes and prays along with them in theory. We lead in prayer. We close in prayer in the church service. But seldom does that lay person pray. Seldom do we teach it. Seldom do we gather to pray in a group with all the members praying, not just somebody leading and the other silently playing. I mean, all, everybody praying in a group, in turn. When we teach our youth to pray, and I mean the little ones, the toddlers, when we teach them to pray, we give them a cutesy little prayer as a toddler, and then, as they grow, how in-depth do we get with them after that? Not very. We may give them a few, oh, this is how you do it. But do we do it with them? Do we teach them? Do we give the repetition to them? Do we give them an example? Do we lead in prayer and then let them pray in their own words? Do we give example? Do we give exhortation? Do we give teaching on how to pray? Do we teach them? Do we point them? Or do we just say, hey, you got to pray, go pray. You got to pray, go talk to God. You got to pray before bedtime, go pray. Or do we do it with them? Do we teach them? I don't think we do. When was the last time you, as a person, got into a group of people praying? And I don't mean one praying and the rest silently praying. I mean a group gathered together to pray individually, yet collectively, individually taking turns around the group, but collectively as a group praying for the same goal at the same time. Most people don't. So we're going to walk through the Lord's model prayer, and that's exactly what we're going to call it. It's a model prayer. And we're going to see exactly how we should pray, or the gist of it at least. 
So Matthew 6, 9 is where we're going to start. And after this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That's rather basic. That's rather nondescript. It's uninformative. It's not very specific at all, is it? No, it's a model. It's not a prayer. So let's go to Matthew 6, 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So after this manner, after this model, that's what Jesus told them. After this manner, therefore pray ye. This is how you're supposed to do it, guys. Here's your outline. The Lord's Prayer is not a magical formula. It is a model. It is an outline for us. When the apostles said, teach us to pray, that is exactly what Jesus is going to do. And, by the way, we get the benefits of his teaching by reading it today. Yet a point that I'm going to make here is this. The apostles, they see him praying, or they see him going off to pray all the time. Jesus has set an example for his apostles, and they see it all the time, and they ask him to teach them because they see the power in his life. So they are seeing an example, and they want to follow that example. It's interesting that his testimony led to this question. How many of us have that testimony that people will come to us for power in prayer? All right, what's the next line? Our Father, which art in heaven. Now, isn't that an awful strange way to start? After all, doesn't God know who's talking and to whom I'm talking to? Well, remember, God doesn't always do anything because of what he needs. God does it because of what we need. We as humans need to focus. And by setting our thoughts on heaven and the heavenly Father, it helps us to focus our mind and to whom we are talking to. So it helps us to focus our mind on what we're going to do, to whom we're going to talk to. For he is the Father, God of all. And when we go before him, we must remember to whom we are talking. We are not talking to another man. We are not talking to the next door neighbor. We are not talking to the clerk at the store. We are talking to the God of the universe. Next line is, hallowed be thy name. Now what is hallowed? Hallowed means greatly revered and honored. Not or. Greatly revered and honored. Our Father, which is in heaven, greatly revered and honored is thy name. Perhaps, if we phrase it like that often enough, we might actually start believing that his name is greatly revered and honored. Instead of walking up, tapping him on the shoulder, saying, 
hey God, I'm here, let's talk. Instead, if we approach him as the greatly revered and honored one, maybe we start seeing him like that and praying with a little more power. Matthew 6.10, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now this is tricky to explain. For here, in these words, you must know what you're asking for. Thy kingdom come. We are asking for God's kingdom here on this earth. Yet how is that achieved? We know that God's going to establish his kingdom here, but not yet. So are we to pray that he hurries up his timeline, the tribulation gets here faster than we can get to the millennial kingdom? No, that's not what it means. It means we are to pray that we, God's people, live as, with, as if we are in his kingdom right now. We are to bring his kingdom, we are to bring his culture here to where we are. And we're asking him to help us bring his kingdom here. It doesn't say for him to come immediately, but for his kingdom to come. We are to pray for us that we would live as, as if his kingdom, his culture were here right now. That means a righteous life, a spirit-filled life, a life with him watching us every moment. He does that anyway, but we don't live like it. So we would pray that we would. The next part is, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now this is fascinating. How is his will done in heaven? Anybody? Uh -huh. Okay. Immediately. Oh. His will is done. In, that was a trick question. His will is done in heaven immediately. That is how. In his kingdom, among the angels, among his people, he speaks and it's done. He spoke and the waters and the earth was. He spoke and light came. He spoke. And the water separated the firmament. Remember? He spoke. Grass trees took place. He spoke. The sun came into existence. He speaks and it's done immediately. So we are praying that his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We even have proof from an angel. That when God speaks, it's done immediately. Daniel was praying. It took the angel 21 days to get to him. 21 days. But the angel, when he arrives, says, When you set your face to pray, I came with an answer, but the prince of Persia withstood me. Immediately he had an answer. God said, Take him an answer. He left. Immediately. That's how God's will is done. In heaven. But we are to pray for his will to be done here on earth. We are to be praying for his kingdom here on earth. The furtherance of his will, his gospel, and his purpose. We are to pray that we might obey his will the same way immediately to further the kingdom here on earth. There is an old saying. Be careful what you pray for. You might just get it. 
Well, if you're praying for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, be careful. You might be the one asked to carry it out. We are to pray for God's kingdom and God's will, knowing, knowing that we might be the ones asked to get up and be the answer to those prayers. So when you pray this, you better be willing to get up and be the answer to somebody's prayer. We are to be praying for his interest, not ours. His goals, not ours. His will, not our convenience. Matthew 6, 11, Give us this day our daily bread. This one's fairly easy. This one is, we are to pray for our needs. We are to be totally dependent on him. Ask him for what you need. Tell him of your troubles. Daily needs is not just daily bread. You know this, right? Speak with him about your concerns. Talk to him. This is what he wants. He just asked you to ask him what his will is. Now he wants to know what your needs are, what your concerns are, what your fears are. It's a conversation. Are you getting this? Prayer is a talk with the God of the universe. Yes, he is all-powerful. And we should have fear and reverence. He is the God of the universe. But at the same time, he came and died for you. If he will die for you, he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear about you. He paid a price. He cares. He loves you. Talk to him. Not just about you. Talk to him about him. It's a conversation goes both ways. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our debts. Our debt to him that we can never repay. Never do enough to repay. There's nothing we can do that he needs, let alone anything we can do to repay the debt he paid for us. We are asking him to clear the ledger for us, just as he asks us to clear the ledger of those that owe us, of those that have offended us, of those that have insulted or slighted us, we are to clear the ledger of that and give them forgiveness as he has given us forgiveness. After all, he loved us when we were unlovable. He died for us when we didn't even know who he was. He gave his all his best for us. How can we not forgive an insult, a loan of a few bucks, an attitude? How can we not forgive that? Look at all he forgave you of. Look at all he forgave me of. And to what we were redeemed to. Not only were we forgiven, but he didn't leave us right there in that forgiven. No, no. He didn't leave us there. He redeemed he forgave us, he redeemed us, and then he lifted us up that we might be able to approach him. He didn't just leave us here. How can we possibly not forgive when we have been forgiven and redeemed? We sang redeemed. Jesus gave that to us. And we weren't worthy of it. Matthew 6.13 and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lead us not into temptation. Now the Spirit does lead us into temptation. Well, how do I know that? Because the Spirit led Jesus into temptation. If it led Jesus into temptation, how can we be any different? We're not. He was perfect. We're going to be tried. We're not going to be perfect. The Spirit does lead us into temptation. But also remember, we are absolutely promised in the Scripture that there is always a way out of the temptation if we but use it. We are to pray to be removed and led away from evil. Yet we know that the temptation will happen. That's why we need a good, strong prayer life. That will reduce the temptation level. For with a strong prayer life, you are more in tune with God and thus a little more likely to walk away from temptation easier. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. As you can see, just like in Word where you get a template, this is a template for prayer. Template of how to pray. Not the words to use, but the type of words to use. It doesn't really matter much what you pray. It doesn't. God knows the heart. God wants you to pray, to talk to him, to spend time with him. It doesn't really matter much what you pray. Okay? What does matter is that you pray. God wants to talk to you. And once you start and you say, Lord, help me. To convey what I'm trying to say, Lord, help me to pray, just as the apostles did, and the Spirit will help you pray. If you do nothing else, if you take nothing else away from this, I want you to remember that prayer, that prayer is what he wants. And not only is it what he wants, that prayer is what we need. We need to talk to him. It's a built-in need. We need to talk to him. Pray that others may follow your example. Pray that God may heal our land and that we might reestablish the importance of our God. By setting an example, by praying, we make him more important in our lives. If we take the time to talk to him every day, and we make him a priority, we force ourselves to make him a priority, then guess what? He very well might become a priority in our life. The apostles went and they said, teach us to pray. And Jesus gave them a model. Take that model, build your own car out of it. Take that model, build your own template out of it. But whatever you do, pray. 